0: shururi a'malina la لا so we've been covering this book which explains the testification la ilaha illallah muhammadun rasulullah Explaining what this testification of tawhid it means this testification that there is no deity worthy of worship in truth except Allah and we've mentioned some of the principles or some of the conditions that are linked to that and we've now reached the fifth condition the fifth condition linked to this shahada is the condition of Al-Mahabba Al-Shartul-Khamis, Al-Mahabba لِهَذِهِ الْكَلِمَةِ وَلَمَّا وَلِمَا دَلَّتَ عَلَيْهِ بِذَلِكِ To have love for this testification, to have love for this testification, and for that which it indicates, and to be pleased and happy with that. So a person has love for this testification, and we will explain further in this lecture what that means. That a person has love for this testification, And what the testification uh, declares and requires from that person. That you're pleased with the affairs that are required from you on the basis of tawheed and obedience and worship to Allah. You're pleased with that. And you're happy with that. That's how a Muslim should be. The one who is practicing and implementing the shahada properly. So now we'll come to explaining this condition or this issue of love because as we may have explained before all acts of worship they are based upon love to allah everything that a person does all of his acts of worship they are based upon love to allah alongside the fear and the hope so all the time a person must recall those three aspects love fear and hope that whenever a person does his worship then it's balanced between those affairs Some of the people, they failed to balance between those affairs of love, fear and hope. Loving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, i.e. being humble and subservient and obedient to Allah. Fear, fearing the punishment of Allah for the one who sins and is disobedient. And hope, having hope in Allah's mercy and seeking Allah's forgiveness and repenting. A person is always balanced between those affairs. That is the position of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. However, some of the people of innovation and the people of misguidance, they didn't balance those affairs. And some of the scholars of the past, like Ibn qayyim rahimahullah, he gave an example that these three things, the love to Allah, the subservience and the obedience and the humbleness and the humility and the fear and the hope, it is like a bird. The love is the head The fear and the hope are the two wings of the bird. Only when all three of them are active, then the bird can fly. If one of those three is missing, then the bird, it cannot fly. If the head is missing, i.e. love is missing, then the bird cannot fly, if it only has wings without a head. Similarly, if the head is there, but one of the wings is missing, love, uh, rather fear or hope, One of those two is missing, then one of the wings is missing, the bird can't fly. That's why Ahlul Sunnah, they say, you balance between those affairs. But the people of misguidance, they didn't balance between those affairs. So some of them, they went to an exaggeration and an extremism on the aspect of love. So they began to say that all of our worship, it's based upon love to Allah. It's all about the connection of the heart to Allah. It's all about love. It's all about this vicar, as we do all the time as they say. Everything is just about this love, love, love as they kept saying. This spirituality as they kept saying. And they forgot about the fear and the hope. They forgot about the hellfire and the punishment. They forgot about the other aspects. They said we don't care about those things. Paradise, these affairs, yes they will come. But ours is just the love of Allah. And they were those people who were misguided into thinking that all of this worship is only love. And you forget about fear and hope. And there were the Sufis. The Sufis, as you see their methodology, and how they preach and what they preach, then it's all about this spirituality. Spirituality and connection to Allah. And in fact, they fall into all types of philosophy when they go into that. You look at some of these individuals who are affected by those types of methodologies. Hamza, Yusuf and these people, they're affected by these types of methodologies linked to Sufiyah. So they come out with all types of statements. All types of statements because their mentality or their methodology is revolving around this spirituality all the time. And they forget about the other aspects of the religion and learning and evidences and sunnah. So they come out with all types of statements. And the strangest of the statements. From amongst them, this Hamza Yusuf, he claims, To have an alarm clock to wake up for fajr is a bid'ah. He says it's a bid'ah. To have an alarm clock to wake you up for fajr. So this is their lack of understanding of the religion. They think that technology and these things are bid'ah. In that case, you might as well say the car is a bid'ah. The Prophet ﷺ used to walk to the masjid. So even if you live five miles away, don't take your car, it's a bid'ah. Walk. Going on an airplane therefore is a bid'ah. They never used to have them in those days. Writing with these pens and papers and having bottled water. Everything is a bid'ah in that case. They never used to have any of these things. And this is the nonsense of these people who don't understand the reality of the religion and the evidences. And all they are upon is this spirituality and connection. And they fall into this philosophy and all types of things. So here we see the balance between them. The Sufis, they went to an extreme on this love and spirituality. Other groups, they went to extremes on other sides. So the Khawarij, those individuals who declare the blood of the Muslims to be permissible. And they declare Muslims to be disbelievers. When actually they are not disbelievers, they are not kuffar, they are Muslims. But they declare them to be disbelievers and kuffar. And they declare it permissible to go out against them and to attack them. And if any of them are killed, then they say that's collateral damage. And they say it's permissible. And these are the likes of the khawarij. Those famous ones now that some people unfortunately have been affected by. Their cassettes and their lectures, they find them beautiful, the people. The likes of Anwar al-Awlaqi. And these people who have certain lectures and things on Sirah, etc. Maybe initially they used to do those lectures in that way, explaining Sirah, etc. But the reality of this individual and others like him, is that they are from the Khawarij. And this individual himself used to say, he himself used to say, that individual, if you remember a few years ago, what became famous as the underwear bomber, You remember that story when that individual was trying to blow up an airplane with some chemicals uh, secretly hidden away in his underwear and he managed to get past all the security and he managed to get onto the airplane but it failed to blow. That individual, this Anwar al awlaqi says, yes, he was one of my students and I'm proud of what he did. He says this, I am proud of what he did, he's one of my students. And he says, look at the great thing which he did. Managed to get past all that security. Managed to get past all of those detectors and got onto the plane with the bomb. As if that's something praiseworthy. He makes it praiseworthy. He says, that's good. On top of that, he says, this was an interview conducted with him. And the interview, the person who was interviewing him, interviewing Al-Aulaqi, he said to him, but isn't that bad? There were people on that airplane who were just innocent people. They'd never done anything wrong to anyone. Just innocent people, maybe there could have even been Muslims on that flight. So, what was his response? He said, Look, if we could kill soldiers, that's good. But the reality of our situation is this is the war going on now. This is how you have to react. So, if you can't get to the soldiers and the military bases, then good. Go blow up a bomb, uh, blow up an airplane. And if those innocent people die, then whatever. They are all supporting the government, they are all against the uh, Muslims, etc., etc. So this is their khariji type of mentality. Even if there are Muslims on that plane, they will say collateral damage. It's okay. All of this is for the greater good. And this is what they believe and this is how they behave. Their methodology and their mentality is that it's okay to kill Muslims if that is needed. If it's needed to kill Muslims to get to a few kufar, then okay, so be it. This is their type of thinking. They make permissible the blood of Muslims. And why do they do that? Because the khawarij they went to an extreme on the aspect of fear they took that wing of the bird and they went to an extreme on that so they began to say whoever commits an error whoever commits a major sin then his iman has gone he's a disbeliever he is a disbeliever his iman is finished when in reality ahl sunnah wal jama'ah explained if a person commits a sin major sin even if it is then that person his iman doesn't finish He's not a kafir if he commits a major sin. He's a sinner. And his iman will decrease as a consequence of that sin. But that doesn't mean his iman is completely gone. But the khawar is they went to an extreme on that wing of the bird. They went to an extreme on the fear. No, no, he's committed a major sin. That's it. He's finished. He's a kafir. His iman is gone. So they went to an extreme over there. And they forgot about the other wing of hope. That you can repent to Allah. You can seek forgiveness. And Allah will forgive. They forgot about that. So their bird doesn't fly. Then there was the other individuals who went to the extreme on the hope. And they forgot about the fear. So they all began to say, it doesn't matter. As long as you have iman in your heart. As long as you say shahada. Then it's okay. Even if you commit whatever sins you commit. Even if you don't bother doing any obedience to Allah. You're safe. You say the shahada, you're on iman, you're safe. The murji'ah, the ones who say it doesn't matter, you don't have to do any obedience, that doesn't affect. Even if you commit sins, they say, it won't affect your iman. And this is an extremism on the angle of hope. And they forgot about the fear that Allah punishes those people who are sinful. And those individuals who are disobedient will be punished or can be punished. They forgot about that. So they went to an extreme on one side. Whereas Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, the Salafiyun. The methodology is always balanced between the affairs. Love and humbleness and humility and obedience to Allah. And at the same time fearing the punishment of Allah for those who disobey. And at the same time hoping and desiring for the mercy of Allah. And the forgiveness from Allah. Always balanced in that way. That's why Ahl Sunnah they are in the middle path. Whereas all these other groups they go to the right and to the left. And they distort and they deviate. So now we're speaking about this aspect of love. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in the Quran, وَدَلِيلُ الْمَحَبَّ قَوْلُهُ تَعَالَىٰ وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَتَّخِذُ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ أَنْدَادًا يُحِبُّونَهُمْ كَحُبِّ اللَّهِ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّ حُبًّا لِلَّهِ That there are some people who take partners with Allah. They take other deities as partners with Allah. And they love them, these other deities, just as they love Allah. So this is talking about those mushrikeen. They used to love Allah. But at the same time, they used to have other gods and deities who they used to love as well. But then Allah says, (laughs) وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّ حُبًّا لِلَّهِ But those who have iman, the believers, they are greater in their love for Allah than those individuals were. Because the mushrikeen at the time of the Prophet it must be remembered, that they recognized the rububiyyah of Allah. They knew it's Allah who created the heavens and the earth. They accepted that. They accepted that Allah gave them life and death. They accepted Allah provides their provisions. They knew all of that. They knew Allah is in control of all of the universe. That's why it's mentioned whenever they were out on the oceans, and the sea and the storm was coming upon their ship, and they were about to drown. It's in the Quran. Allah In that situation, they wouldn't call upon their idols... They would call upon Allah sincerely as Allah told us in the Quran. Because they knew it's Allah who's going to protect them and save them then. And their idols can't do anything. So they knew about that. They knew about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so they used to love Allah, but they used to love their other deities too. And that was a mistake because then they committed shirk. That is blatant shirk to love these other deities and hold them as partners to Allah. Even if you love Allah alongside that. Then after that uh, in Surah Al-Ma'idah, "O you who believe, whoever reverts from his religion so Allah will bring forth tin people عَلَى He loves and who love Him, [a] humiliation upon the This ayah in Surah al all you who believe, whoever يَرْتَدَّ مِنْكُمْ عَنْ دِينِهِ Whoever apostates from you, from his religion. فَصَوْفَ يَأْتِ اللَّهُ بِقَوْمٍ يُحِبُّهُمْ وَيُحِبُّونَ Then Allah will come with a group of people who He loves and they love Him. أَذِلَّةٍ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ أَعِزَّةٍ عَلَى الْكَافِرِينَ How is that translated? Hmm. Go on. Humble. Humble towards the believers and stern towards the, believers. stern towards the disbelievers. They are humble towards the believers and stern towards the disbelievers. They strive and they do the jihad in the path of Allah. And they do not fear the blameworthiness of anyone who blames them in that. So they do not fear the statements of other people. They are honorable upon their religion. And they love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah loves them. Then the final evidence in the chapter is from the sunnah, ما ثبت في الصحيح عن أنس الله قال قال رسول الله صلى الله من كنا فيه وجد حلاوة الإيمان أن يكون الله ورسوله, أح... أن يكون الله ورسوله أحب إليه مما وأن يحب المرأ لا يحبه إلا, إلا لله وَأَنْ يَكْرَهَا أَنْ يَعُودَ فِي الْكُفْرِ بَعَدْهَا إِذْ أَنْقَذَهُ اللَّهُ مِنْهُ كَمَا يَكْرَهُ أَنْ يُقْذَهَا فِي النَّارِ This hadith Anas radiallahu anhu narrates that the Prophet said, three types of people will find the sweetness of iman. Three will find the sweetness of iman if you are in these three, uh, rather three characteristics. If you are in these three characteristics, then you will find the sweetness of iman that Allah and His Messenger are more beloved to you than anyone else besides them. That Allah and His Messenger are more beloved to you than anyone else besides them. Similarly, that you love a person and you do not love him except for the sake of Allah. And that you hate to be returned back to disbelief. You hate to return back to disbelief after Allah saved you from that, just as you hate to be thrown into the fire. So, how or what is the explanation of all of these evidences regarding love? And how is that connected to this Tawheed and this testification of La Ilaha Illallah? Firstly, this Mahabba, this love, then it can be actualized and practiced in two ways, or two affairs are required. أَوَّلُهُمَا لِلَّهِ وَحْدَهُ That a person, if he is truly upon this love for Allah, he is upon this love of Allah, then in that case, he needs to firstly make all of his worship sincerely and purely for the sake of Allah, not for any other individual or for any other gain or for people to praise him or for him to gain some worldly benefits or status or rank or wealth. Not for those purposes, but purely and sincerely for the sake of Allah. Secondly, ثَانِهِمَا shirk, That a person, he abandons shirk, and he stays away from shirk. Those two affairs are of the essential basis of this love to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then the author says, أَصْلُ wa qa'idatuhu amran, The origin of this religion and the principle in it is, الأول, له, Firstly, one of the most basic and fundamental aspects of this religion is the commandment to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon that tawheed without any shirk and to encourage the people to that. This is one of the most basic fundamentals to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Upon Tawheed and to have your allegiances based upon that tawheed. Based upon that tawheed and to distance yourselves and to declare those to be disbelievers who are in opposition to that. The Mushrikeen and those individuals of the other religions. Secondly, the second basis of the religion Al wa wal muadat fi wa fa'ala. To warn from shirk and from the obedience of other deities and graves and tombs and shrines and whatever else the people have to warn against that. To declare that to be false due to the declaration of that falsehood in the Quran and the Sunnah and to warn the people against that and to be firm and severe and harsh in that warning from shirk and stopping the people from that false worship. أن يعيه أن يعيه so the Shaykh says, concentrate on this. Be aware of these principles and these basics that everybody needs to know. Everybody, even the common people need to know that basis of worshipping Allah upon Tawheed and refraining from a warning in shirk and particularly the people of knowledge and those calling to Allah. So then the statement of Allah that we mentioned, that But there are those people who used to take other deities as gods besides Allah and they used to love them as they love Allah. The Shaykh mentions in the explanation, الشيخ عبايد حفظه الله جاءت هذه الآية آية ضمنها الحق. جل عددا من الأدلة على وحدانيته وتفرده بالعبادة وعلى الرغم من تلك الأدلة الا انه كان من الناس من عمد الى اتخاذ الانداد وهم شركاء لهم من المحبة مثل ما لله عز وجل the sheikh says in this context of surah al-baqarah Allah had been explaining the oneness of himself how all of the worship should be done upon Tawheed to Allah Allah had been explaining all of this in the Quran and in reality the whole of the Quran is an explanation that Allah needs to be worshiped Upon sincerity alone. So after having explained all of that, Allah mentions to us, there are still some people, even though they know, that Allah is the one who created the heavens and the earth. And they know that Allah is the one who controls all of the affairs. They know Allah is the one who decrees everything that happens. They know Allah is the one who gives the life and the death. They know Allah is the one who provides the provisions and the sustenance. Allah is a razzaq They know all of these things. Yet despite that, they still have other deities and other individuals Whom they love as they love Allah And they give a portion of their love to these others As they give a portion to Allah So Allah mentions that in the Quran However, then Allah says وَالَّذِينَ <laughs> آمَنُوا But those who believe Those who have Iman, the true Iman in their hearts Those who are truthful to this statement of La ilaha illallah then their love for Allah is greater. And the scholars, they mention that this can have one of two meanings. Why is the love of the believers, the true believers, greater for Allah? Why is their love greater for Allah than those mushrikeen? Who used to love Allah, but they also used to love their other deities. They used to make hajj. We mentioned before in the Tafsir of Surah Al-Feel, those mushrikeen, they used to make hajj even in those days. They used to honor and respect the Kaaba, And they tried to protect it when Al-Abraha came, to try to destroy it. They had respect and honor for those things, for the Kaaba and that, and that area. And they used to make Hajj, even though they used to commit shirk in their Hajj. And they used to give charity, and they used to be good to their neighbors. All of these things are mentioned about their characteristics. Because of some of their remnants, the remains that came through to them, that filtered through from the time of Ibrahim a.s. But despite all of that, the believers are stronger in their love for Allah. One of the reasons being, that those mushrikeen, their love was separated and split and shared. So they were sharing their love, some of it for Allah and some of it for these others. Whereas the believers, they don't need to split their love up. They don't need to share their love. All of their love 100% is for Allah. So for that reason... The believers are stronger in their love for Allah than those mushrikeen. Because the mushrikeen are splitting their love in sections and giving a part of it to Allah. Whereas the believers, they do not split their love, rather all of it is for Allah. Another explanation the scholars give is, that the meaning of the ayah, that the believers are greater in their love for Allah than them, is that those mushrikeen, like we just said now, they used to love Allah, but they used to love their other deities as well. And they used to love their other deities a lot. But the believers, they love Allah more than those mushrikeen used to love their deities. The mushrikeen used to love their deities. But the believers loved Allah more. Their love for Allah was greater and stronger and more sincere. It was upon sincerity. As opposed to the love of the mushrikeen for their idols. They are the two uh, opinions that the scholars, they say... Uh, is the meaning of this ayah but in any case the ayah clearly dictates that the love of the believers and the iman of the believers it is stronger and greater their love for Allah that is the proper true sincere love to Allah. Um, then in the second ayah it was mentioned مَن that whomsoever apostates from you from his religion, هذا اخبار بانه سبحانه وتعالى من من كمال قدرته وغناه وحفظه دينه اذا ارتد عنه اهله المخاطبون به اولا بانه سوف ياتي بمن يحمي هذا الدين ويتحمله وهم متصفون بخمس صفات الله سبحانه وتعالى mentions here that if a group of people they turn their backs to this religion or they refuse to be upon this iman as it should be and they uh, apostate or they relieve this religion, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring another group of people, there will be others who are upon iman, and they are defending and protecting this religion, and they will be upon certain characteristics. These individuals whom Allah loves and they love Allah, will be upon certain characteristics. And they are, firstly, أَنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّهُمْ لِتَمَسُّكِهِمْ بِدِينِهِ وَأَنَّهُمْ يُحِبُّونَهُ أَوَامِرَهُ ونواهية. Firstly, these people who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala places to defend and to protect the religion and they are upon that true iman and love to Allah, their first characteristic is that Allah loves them because of them clinging to the religion and clinging to the regulations and laws of the religion, clinging on and sticking to the halal and the haram clinging on and sticking to the permissible and what's not permissible staying away from it. Due to their strong clinging on to the Qur'an and the Sunnah, clinging on to this religion and the legislations, then Allah loves them. And they love to implement and practice the religion. They love to implement and practice the religion. And so they do the commandments that they've been commanded with and they stay away from the prohibitions they've been prevented from. Athania. لَيَّنُوا لِأَهْلِ الْإِيمَانِ Because of their What was the word used before? Generosity? Humbleness Their humbleness towards the people of Iman Their good nature, their good manner And that's like al Islam Ibn Taymiyyah mentioned How Ahl Sunnah They are of this humble manner towards each other They are of this humble manner This modest manner This good character with each other and that is something that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentioned in any case. li That indeed I was sent to perfect the best of these manners. And as Aisha رضي الله used to say, كَانَ خُلُقُهُ الْقُرْآنِ That the manners of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, his behaviors, his morals, they were like the Quran itself. Perfect and complete and good in his manners. So one of the characteristics is, their behavior and their morals and their manners Amongst Ahl Sunnah, amongst the other believers. And there are many ahadith and many narrations that speak about those affairs. The hadith Qudsi when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, "Inni haramtu dhulma ala nafsi That I have made oppression haram upon myself. وَجَعَلْتُهُ مُحَرَّمًا بَيْنَكُمْ فَلَا تَظَالَمُوا And I've made it haram upon you, amongst yourselves. So do not oppress each other. So this is one of their characteristics. Thirdly, أَعِزَّةٍ عَلَى الْكَافِرِينَ That they are strong and firm and harsh upon the disbelievers, upon the people of disbelief. And that does not mean that you transgress against the people of disbelief as misunderstood by the likes of the Khawarij and those who follow them. It does not mean that you fall into error and transgress the boundaries when it comes to those who are not Muslim. You still treat them in the manner which Islam has propagated that they are to be treated. So there is still justice and there is still fairness in accordance to how Islam has taught us. So even if the neighbor is a disbeliever, then perhaps by showing some goodness to so that individually may be a means of him entering into Islam. So even though they are firm and harsh upon the people of disbelief, meaning... That you will not compromise your religion with them You will not give up your own rules and regulations of Islam for them You will not imitate them As we mentioned Whoever imitates a group of people is from them So you will not do any of those affairs But you will be firm and harsh With regards to this kufr and disbelief And you will not entertain any of that Or participate in any of that um, and the Sheikh quotes the ayah from Surah Al-Fatih <laughs> That they are firm upon the disbelievers But generous and humble amongst themselves Merciful between themselves The fourth characteristic That they strive and they do the jihad in the path of Allah To raise the banner of Tawheed and to depress the opposite call of shirk and those disbelievers. This is a point from the characteristics of those people, that they strive in this religion, and they fight the jihad in the path of Allah. And that should be understood carefully, so that a person doesn't fall into the deception, and the trickery of the likes of al-Awlaqi, and those individuals who attempt to bring narrations, they attempt to bring ahadith to prove their false methodologies and their takfiri ideologies. Jihad is an act of worship. Very simple way to understand this, Jihad is an act of worship. Just like prayer is an act of worship. Prayer is an act of worship and Jihad is an act of worship. The prayer now, there are conditions and there are pillars and there are manners, there are rulings as to how you're supposed to pray. If you fulfill those rulings and pray the prayer as the Prophet ﷺ said, "Sallu Pray as you have seen me pray. Then if you pray in accordance to the manner and the rules that have been taught to us in the sunnah with the conditions and the pillars, the wudu, etc., etc., then the prayer is correct. But if you don't follow those conditions and those pillars and those rulings, then the prayer will not be correct. A person... Decides he's going to pray, but he doesn't want to make wudu, I can't be bothered, it's not... I don't want to do it, I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to pray. Is the prayer accepted? It's not accepted. لا يقبل الله صلاة أحدكم حتى يتوضع. إذا أحدث حتى يتوضع. Allah will not accept the prayer of somebody who breaks his wudu until he makes the wudu again. That's a, a, something that is required. So now we understand that the prayer is an act of worship, but we have been taught how to do that prayer. With the rules and the regulations. Just like anything else. Hajj. Hajj is an act of worship. Rules and regulations. Where do you go? Arafah, Mina, Muzdalifah. What do you do? How many stones do you throw? Everything is told. We have been explained to us how to do it all. Zakat. How much do you give? When do you give it? Fasting in Ramadan. How do you do it? When do you start? When do you finish? What's the sunnah to open your fast with? Etc. All of it has been explained to us. Worship has been taught to us how to do it. Jihad is another act of worship, just like these other acts of worship. So similarly, Jihad has rules and regulations, and it has explanations of how and when to do it. If a person does not follow those rules and regulations and how and when to do it, then that will be false also. And that is where these individuals, the Khawarij, the Hizb Al-Tahreer, Muhajirun, those types of individuals and their mentality, they have no understanding of these rules and regulations of how you're supposed to do the jihad. They have no understanding. So they say, yes, go and kill whoever. Suicide bombings in a hotel, in a bus, in a plane, it's all good, they say. Killing innocent people is all good, they say. And in reality, that is nonsense, and that is not what Islam teaches. And that is not what Islam preaches. Rather, what they claim to be jihad is in reality façade. It is not jihad, it is corruption. So be aware that jihad is an act of worship. Just like any other act of worship, you need to understand how and when and what are the rules and conditions to doing it to be able to do it properly. <coughs> and nowadays, as one of the parts of that is that you look to the scholars to look to the scholars and their explanations of these affairs. And where is the jihad? Where isn't there? And now most of these places, the scholars have explained there isn't a legitimate jihad of that nature for you to go and fight. It's not like that. person needs to understand the reality of this religion and how to practice it. So as not to fall into this chaos, the likes of these individuals, Al-Awlaqi and others, upon his methodology, promote. So that's one of the characteristics for the one who does that properly and in accordance to the methodology of the Salaf in the correct teachings. Al-Khamisa yakhafuna They do not fear the blameworthiness of those who will blame them and accuse them They are not afraid, they are not scared of what the people will say about them. They speak the truth wherever they are. In accordance to that which the sharia requires from them. Whatever the sharia it preaches, it teaches. The Quran, the sunnah, the correct methodology of the salaf of the ummah, then they will preach that and they will teach that. And they do not care for the blameworthiness or the accusations or the abuse of those who will abuse them and blame them and accuse them of being upon falsehood. When in reality it is those blamers and those accusers who themselves are in reality upon the falsehood. وَقَدْ تحقق مَا وَعَدَ اللَّهُ بِهِ فِي هذه الْآيَةِ عَلَى يَدَيْ أَبِي بَكْرَ وَجَيْشِهِ حِينَ الْمُرْتَدِّينَ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْجَزِيرَةِ عقيبة رَسُولَهَ Till Islam. And this is something which the shaykh says actually occurred at the time of Abu Bakr As-Siddiq. عنه, when him and his army, they uh, fought against the apostates just after the death of the Prophet Sallallahu And they were victorious over them. So we understand that a person needs to be upon sincerity with this testification that there is no deity worthy of worship in truth except Allah. Person needs to be upon sincerity. He needs to have that love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala min janib rabb wa janib al-abd. The uh, love, it is something which Allah loves these slaves and the slaves, they love Allah. So that love, it comes from both sides. Allah loves the slaves and the slaves, they love Allah in accordance to their deeds and their obedience. فَالِثًا ala عَلَىٰ أَهْلِ الْإِيمَانِ بِكَمَالِ مَحَبَّتِهِمْ له. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as we've seen in this ayat Praises the people of iman Due to their love for him uh, After that we'll mention the hadith That there are three characteristics That if you're in them And you find these characteristics You will find the sweetness of iman Qala nawawi fi ma'na al-Hadith Al-Imam nawawi said regarding this hadith min islam This is a great hadith this one which explains the three characteristics that you'll find The sweetness of Iman with He says it's a great hadith from the principles of the religion The scholars they said What's the meaning of sweetness of Iman? <laughs> What's the meaning of the sweetness of Iman? The sweetness of Iman the scholars said it is to take pleasure from worshipping Allah (laughs) subhanahu wa ta'ala, to find happiness and joy in worshipping Allah, find joy and pleasure in being obedient to Allah (laughs) subhanahu wa ta'ala, and at the same time to burden, to be able to burden and cope with the difficulties that may overcome you or afflict you in this uh, path that you are treading upon in worshipping and obeying Allah. Because no doubt a person who is upon that straight path and is worshipping and obeying and is implementing the methodology of the Salaf properly, then there will be difficulties that come his way. There will be trials as we mentioned in the last lesson. There will be trials and difficulties. But a person needs to be patient upon that and make himself firm and he knows he's on the truth and continue to practice. That's why Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab rahimahullah ta'ala mentioned in one of his other books, Al Usul that one of the aspects that is required is (laughs) that a person needs to be patient upon the difficulties and harms that may overcome him whilst he treads this path of worshipping and obeying Allah upon the correct manner. Uh, Also, that a person, he finds that sweetness of iman when he can forfeit the pleasures of the world for the sake of the religion. For the sake of Allah and His Messenger, he can get rid of, he can let go certain desiring things from the world. He gives precedence and prefers the worship of Allah and obedience to Allah, and he can forfeit some of these other affairs from the worldly things. قال القاضي رحمه الله هذا الحديث بمعنى الحديث المتقدم ذاق طعم الإيمان من رضي بالله ربًا وبالإسلام دينًا و محمد Muhammad رسولًا he mentioned that this hadith is the same as the one that mentions that the person who tastes the sweetness of iman is the one who is pleased with Allah as his Lord. And he is pleased with Islam as his religion. And he is pleased with Muhammad as his messenger. وَذَٰلِكَ أَنَّهُ لَا يَسِحُّ الْمُحَبَّ لِلَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ سَلَّمُ حَقِيقَةً وَحُبِّ الْآدَمِي فِي اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ سَلَّمُ وَكِرَاهَةً رُّجُوعِ لَى الْكُفْرِ إِلَّا لِمَنْ al Iman. That is because a person cannot truly find this sweetness of iman until his love for Allah and his messenger and the love for other people for the sake of Allah and his hate to return to the kufr, all of that is dictated by the strength of his iman, and the certainty in his heart and his mind, which causes him to have serenity and tranquility in of himself. He knows that he's upon the religion of Allah, and that he's doing this for the sake of Allah, and that the reward will come from Allah. Um, قَالَ بَعَدْهُمْ أَلْمَحَبَّةُ الْقَلْبِ عَلَى مَا الْرَبْ سُبْحَانَهُ فَيُحِبُّ مَا أَحَبَّ وَيَكْرَهُ مَا كَرِهَ Another one of the meanings that some of the scholars said that loving is this love for Allah is that you love that which Allah loves and you hate that which Allah hates. So the things that are good and pure that Allah loves then you love those things and you do those things. The obediences and the worships. And those things that Allah detests and dislikes then you similarly dislike and hate those things. قال الشيخ qala قال الشيخ Islam ibn Taymiyyah uh, because to find something, the sweetness of something that is based upon your love for it. So whoever loves something, then he will desire that thing. So when that thing comes to him, because he loves it and he wants it, when it happens... He'll be happy and he'll be pleased and he'll love that. And he'll find the sweetness of that thing. And the happiness linked to that thing. So the happiness or the sweetness of this iman, it is linked to the joy and the happiness that a person finds in himself through the obedience. And that is three affairs. تَكْمِيلُ wa وَدَفْعِ ضِدِّهَا فَتَكْمِيلُهَا أَنْ يَكُونَ اللَّهِ so the first part was that a person loves Allah and His Messenger more than anyone else. And that is like in the hadith it says, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, None of you truly loves until I am more beloved to him than his father, his son and all of the people. But the Prophet ﷺ is more beloved than all of those affairs. And that's what Allah said. Say, if you truly love Allah, then follow me. These are the signs of the true love. So the first affair is that you love Allah and His Messenger more than anyone else besides them. And that can only occur, how do you know that you are doing that? If you are loving those things that Allah loves, i.e., the obediences and the worship. You do that which Allah loves and commands you to do. And you stay away from that which Allah prohibits you from and dislikes. And at the same time, you love others for the sake of Allah. Your love for people is based upon the sake of Allah. Not that you love someone just because he's your friend from a long time ago. Even though he's a person of bid'ah and he's upon shirk and all types. That's not the true love for the sake of Allah. Love for the sake of Allah is that you do that for the sake of Allah. And even if it is somebody who is misguided at the moment, then if you are with him and accompanying him, then it's with that desire in your heart that you want to try to invite him to the correct way. And that is for the person who has knowledge and the ability to do that. Not an excuse to be used as some people say. In that case, we'll go and sit with the people of innovation. And we'll go and sit with all these types of misguided people because we want to help them. Firstly, the person needs to be upon the ability to do that. Have the knowledge and the understanding before he goes and mixes and debates and speaks to those people uh, then it says also uh, whoever loves somebody for the sake of Allah not for any other reason not to be able to get something out of it just for the sake of Allah he loves his brother because of what he sees from his brother or what he sees from or what she sees from her sister in terms of practicing the Quran and the Sunnah, being upright upon the religion, then a person who loves his brother or his sister, upon that reasoning, not for any other reason, then that is a sign of the completeness of his love for Allah. Because he loves this person. Why? Because this person loves Allah. He is upon the obedience and the worship of Allah, so he loves him. So his love for the person is based upon his love for Allah, therefore. And that is something that indicates the sweetness of Iman also. Um so that second part is loving your brother or loving the other believers for the sake of Allah, not for other purposes, not for other gains, not for other worldly benefits. The third aspect which is mentioned is that you dislike to be thrown into the fire again, you dislike to return. Back to disbelief after Allah saved you from that. And that is because the Shaykh says, <laughs> that a person hates to be thrown into the fire just as he hates to be returned back to kufr, or the other way, that a person hates to return to kufr just as he hates to be thrown into the fire. So in this hadith, the Shaykh says there are benefits. The first of them is that Allah loves the believers. Allah loves the believers, you <laughs> And they love him. And that's mentioned in certain other narrations, how Allah loves the believers and the believers love Allah. It's mentioned in the hadith of Ali ibn Abi Talib, when the Prophet ﷺ said, لَعَطِيَنَّ الرَّايَ غَدًا That I'm going to give the flag of the army tomorrow to a man rasoolahu, الله اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ wa اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ I'm going to give the flag to a man who loves Allah and his messenger. But Allah and his messenger also love him. Yaftahu Allah That he will be able to go and conquer, they were in a battle. So that night the companions, they were all discussing, who is going to be given this flag? Who is the Prophet ﷺ going to give the flag of the army? They all wanted it. Why? Not because they wanted leadership and authority. That was not their purpose or their reasoning, but because the Prophet ﷺ had said, whoever gets it, will be somebody who Allah loves. They all wanted to be that person. Who Allah loves. They wanted to have this, testi- this uh, testification that Allah loves them. That's why Umar ibn al-Khattab he said, I never desired to be in charge ever. I never used to want to be in charge, the leader in authority of anything. But that night, I wanted to be the one given that flag. I wanted it too. Not for the sake of leadership and authority, but for the sake of knowing that this is going to be a person who Allah loves. That's why the Salaf they used to say, it's not about you loving Allah and His Messenger, it's whether Allah and His Messenger love you. So now that will be upon your sincerity in your worship and you're sticking to the Quran and the Sunnah. So a person he hates to return to disbelief. And it could be said that a person hates to return uh, to the evil affairs of disbelief and not practicing the religion after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved that person and came and uh, brought him to the light, uh, brought him to the guidance. Um, The final part that the shaykh mentions therefore is that a person needs to be aware uh, دليل على عداوة المشركين و بغضهم لأن من أبغض شيئا أبغض من اتصف به فإذا كان يكره الكفر كما يكره أن يلقى في النار فكذلك يكره من اتصف به so similarly a person dislikes the kufr and he dislikes that the people, they, uh, he dislikes the characteristic and to stay away from those individuals who are upon those characteristics. Who did get the flag? Then? Ali, Ali ibn Abi Talib, sorry, the narration Ali ibn Abi Talib was given the flag in the end. The narration mentions afterwards, the next day, the Prophet ﷺ said to the uh, companions they, when they were all there, He said to them, when they all gathered, where is Ali ibn Abi Talib? So they said that he is ill. Because at that time he had a problem with his eyes. He was ill. When they had gone out to this battle, the battle of Khaybar, Ali ibn Abi Talib wasn't able to go with them. He was ill with this problem in his eyes, this illness in his eyes. So he wasn't able to go. And the army left and the Prophet ﷺ left. But then Ali ibn Abi Talib says, after they left, I couldn't handle it. I I, I couldn't bear it rather. I couldn't bear it. That's the proper word. I couldn't bear it to stay behind and the Prophet ﷺ and the army have gone. He couldn't bear it even though with the illness in his eyes. And that's something severe if you have an illness in your eyes. And he couldn't bear it. He says, I had to go. So he went and he caught up with them. He caught up with the army. So then the next day the Prophet ﷺ said, where's Ali ibn Abi Talib? They said he's he's, he's got a problem with his eyes. He was there, but a problem with his eyes. So the Prophet said, Go bring him. So then they brought him, and then it's mentioned in the hadith, the Prophet spittled some of his saliva into the eyes of Ali ibn Abi Talib, and they were cured. That's from the miracles of the Prophet that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed to occur. That Ali ibn Talib's eyes were cured and he was given the flag and he went and he conquered. And even then the Prophet said, When you go, when you go, when you get to the boundary of the land first, tell them about La ilaha illallah. Tell them about La Ilaha illallah and the testification. If they don't accept and they refuse, then we'll go into the affair. So that was that narration, and it's mentioned as well that after that, Ali ibn Abi Talib anhu never ever got an illness in his eyes again. From the miracles of the Prophet. So that was the narration regarding that. And that's the condition of love. Love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, love for the messenger, love for this religion, love for practicing the commandments and staying away from the prohibitions, that is the sign of somebody who's truly upon this testification. So when you look at these other people now, screaming and shouting and claiming love. Yeah, that's why we said anybody can claim love. Anyone can claim that they love Allah and His Messenger. Anyone can scream and shout, we are doing this for the sake of Allah. As when these events they occur, they go out and demonstrate and they do this and they do that. And half of these demonstrations, they're full of women and men all mixed together. Sometimes they even have all types of nasheeds and music within them. They do all types of affairs and they say, this is our love for Allah. We're defending the religion. And half of them themselves, if you look at their state and what they're upon, then they're not upon practicing the Quran and the Sunnah. This is the true love that we have mentioned now in obeying the Quran, uh, the, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the revelation of the Quran and the Sunnah and sticking to that, Firmly upon the evidences, not blindly following emotions or what people say yes for the kuffar are doing this and the kuffar are doing that. So we have to get ourselves involved in politics. Spend your whole life in politics, and maybe if you ask one of those Tahri, what are the seven conditions? What are the conditions of la ilaha illallah? They haven't got a clue. Ask some of these people from al-muhajirun. You're talking about love for Allah, defending the religion against the kuffar. What's that la ilaha illallah? Tell us the meaning of it. The testification. What does it mean? What are the evidences? What are the conditions? They won't know. So this is the reality that the person should be upon. This is what the Salaf they taught: learning and practice of the religion through knowledge. So we'll conclude upon that point and continue next week, insha'Allah, with the sixth condition.